Welcome to Lead to Succeed. This is the podcast to hear from the leaders of today in various fields from entrepreneurs to corporate directors. We hear their stories, lessons learned and challenges faced, as well as insights and advice to become a successful and an inspiring leader. The podcast is presented by us, Callum and Rebecca Jenkins, as we both believe that we all have the potential to be outstanding leaders if that's what we choose. Hi everyone, we're really excited to have Mark Terrell as our guest today on our podcast. Now, Mark is the founder of the Reluctant Leader Academy. So Mark is going to be sharing lots of insights into leadership. And I think we're going to have a very exciting podcast with lots of uh, lots of topics we're going to be discussing and getting Mark's perspective on. So as always, we're going to start with Callum asking a few of the questions to kick off with. But Mark, would you just like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you? Yes, I will. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, so yes, Mark Terrell, I set up the Reluctant Leader Academy when I realised that so many business owners and entrepreneurs get to a point in their business where actually leading their team and, and understanding what that entails is the most important thing to allow their business to grow. So that's what I do now. I teach them, firstly, this, how to do it, but firstly, actually um, making sure that they're motivated in the right way and understand how motivation is important when it comes to leadership in respect to your individual motivation and then understanding how you motivate your team. Brilliant. Thanks, Mark. I'm pleased to have you on. Um, Now, obviously, you've had a couple of different roles where you've had sort of, you know, what looks to be sort of like leadership sort of positions where you've been the owner of a business, um, you know, a longstanding family retail business and the founder of your new company now, which Mm -hmm. is obviously also about leadership as well. So you've had quite a lot of exposure to leadership positions. Um, I was just wondering if you could sort of summarise in a nutshell what sort of leadership means to you. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. I think when it boils down to, and, um, and again, on reflection, I didn't think this at the time, but I think the most important thing you have to have when it comes to leadership is to have a vision um, and, and also being able to um, make sure that everyone around knows what that vision is. So actually communicating that vision and being consistent so that they know what it is that's expected. Now, I've come across a, a, a model which I use with my clients now, which, which is around support and challenge and getting that balance right. And a lot of people, I think, well, we know actually a lot of um, people are either too supportive or too challenging. So what we need to think about is actually how we can become equally challenging and supportive in equal measures. And that's the sort of sweet spot, which in itself is a challenge and that you have to practice it and, you know, see how it goes. Um, but it's a mantra and I think we, we can use it. And we're talking about leadership here as a skill as rather than actually leading a team. Leadership is a, a life skill, I think. And if you can get your head around leadership, you can use it in many ways, uh, not least as a parent. Uh, and also, whenever you are involved with any group situation, understanding the principles of leadership will really set you apart in, in most instances. Sure. Thanks for that, Mark. I think that's the first time we've heard the, you know, the way you phrase that about finding the balance between sort of like support and challenging your team. 
Mm-hmm. But perhaps like some of our leaders are perhaps just stepping into those sort of leadership positions that maybe don't have a whole lot of experience on that. Would you have any mm-hmm. sort of like practical or kind of generic advice on how to find the balance between those two things? Well, again, it goes back to having a clear vision and you've got to, when it comes to vision, it's just not, not just about what you're going to do. You've got to think about how you're going to do it. And, mm-hmm. and I think most importantly, the why bit. And we're all probably familiar with Simon Sinek's work when starting with why. Understanding why we're doing something is what people want to hear. Uh, it's all very well, you know, you know telling people a vision, showing a, a vision. But there's got to be the three elements in that we've got to talk about, well, what are we doing? How are we going to do it? And when we say how, uh, that is, you know, the, the way we go about things, what's acceptable, what's not. And then also visiting, well, why are we doing this? Ultimately, why are we bothering? Why are we actually, you know, why, why are we doing this um, that maybe other people are doing? Why are, we, why are we different? And why are we actually setting out to change something? Because I think all businesses are there to solve a problem. So we've got to be clear about the problem we're solving. It doesn't matter what, what business you're in, I think. It's about being clear about the problem uh, and how you want to solve it and ultimately what you want to leave behind as a, as a legacy. I think, that's a, I think that's a really good point. And I think to, to follow up on that, Mark, I was going to ask you, what would you say are the top three traits you know, of an effective leader? And I think we kind of touched on two of those, one being clearly the vision and mm-hmm. sort of finding the balance between, as we said, support and challenging, kind of linking that to the why. If I could push yeah. you for sort of like a third um, trait of an effective leader. I could definitely add a couple more, that's for sure. One is the thing that we take for granted is actually catching people doing things right. Sure. Um, I think it's 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 not emphasised enough. It's one of the things that I bang on and up, uh, up to my clients pretty much every time I have a conversation with them. How often did you catch people doing things right this week? Some, you know, look at you and embarrassment because they haven't actually consciously gone out to do that. But if we can, then it makes a massive difference. And the reason why it's important is that motivation, when we talk about motivation, one of the most important or the most prevalent motivations is that people want to make a difference. And the way that you get that message back that they are making a difference is making sure that you feedback consistently when they do make a difference. And that's the important thing, understanding that's a, that's an inbuilt thing that we want to feel that we are doing something that makes a difference. We want to be connected to the outcome. And by if you're leading a team, you've got to make sure that the message is getting back to the troops, that they're, what they're doing is actually leading to the outcome. So they yeah. don't feel as if they're disconnected from it. I think that's a really good point. And I think if, if that was something I was, you know, if I was a part of a team and you were getting praise or recognition for doing something right, I can imagine that'd be very rewarding. Um, yeah. For perhaps leaders that are managing small teams or large teams or whatever, what do you think is often like a really effective way to get that feedback back to their team members? Um, well, when it comes to communication, I don't think you can really beat just, you know, a one-to-one conversation. Obviously, we don't want to rely on um, the um, electronic communications, which are prevalent. It's actually going out of your way um, and having a conversation or, and I think equally um, is uh, the, the 
that the, the handwritten note is really effective, I think, because we don't do it very often. What we're trying to do is do something that, that stands out, isn't it? And if yeah. you could do something that is actually really old school, isn't it? Um, but actually just writing a note makes people really sit, sit up and notice that, that someone has actually taken the time to firstly get something to write on that's hopefully nice, then actually write it and then make sure that it's delivered is quite a, you know, quite a big deal, isn't it? So I think, you know, those simple things can actually really land really well and make a big difference. It's often the sort of simple things, isn't it, that can be the mm -hmm. most effective. Yeah. Uh, so we, we touched on this a little bit at the start of the conversation, Mark. Um, you know, you, you sort of said, I think you briefly mentioned that you weren't really, you, you only sort of realised it in reflection when you became a leader. And obviously mm. the name of your current company kind of reflects that as well. Um, at what point in your career do you think you first stepped into a leadership position and perhaps what did you learn from that experience? Well, I think most people um, don't really realise that they've found themselves in that leadership position until they actually realise that people are looking for that direction and, you know, people are, are looking to you for that direction. Um, so the reason why I called my business The Reluctant Leader is that, you know, most people don't really think about it don't really think about you know what it entails um, but actually it's it's a great opportunity to really make a difference and and leave a la lasting legacy I, I might not have answered your question there because I've probably got a bit off, off piece there but awesome. I think it's I think it's really important in that when you first become aware that people are waiting for you to show the way because that's ultimately what leadership is isn't it you know we are leading so we've got to encourage people to follow us and and I had this conversation earlier actually about the difference between pulling and pushing and I think if you're going to be effective you've got to accept that there are both elements you have to initially probably push quite hard if you are you have a clear vision you know very clearly what you're doing, how you're going to do it, why you're doing it. Obviously, you've got to keep pushing to make sure everyone's on board. And that's quite, you know, takes a lot of energy and some people give up too soon. So it's understanding that that bit of push in, in, in the first instance. Mm -hmm. And then what happens if you do it consistently, what happens then you, you can then shift to the push, uh, sort of to the pull. So because if you've been really effective and get your message across, then your team actually take responsibility for that vision on and they start taking their own decisions and they're have, having their own input um, and take and, and that's when you know that your, your message is really landing is when people actually are, are starting to make their own sort of um, taking responsibility. That's the thing. Have you experienced a time, Mark, when that turning point or that pivot happened? When you were leading a team that you'd move from kind of pushing them to them just coming along with you or I, I, yeah i think it's um, there's been a few times in the past we'll go back to my retail days when i run the, the, my uh, family retail business which i sort of gradually took over from my father who um, started the business and you know there was times when you know, you didn't think that the message was landing, but then it's only when maybe you had to step back. So maybe you, you know, two days out, whether you were ill or something, or you were taken away somewhere and you come back and then you realize actually 
you know, they're actually getting this because they are just carrying on without me being here. And that's when you, and then when, when you, when you realize that what you have to do is work towards making yourself redundant. And, and if you've got that mentality, then you will hand over responsibility at the right time. Obviously you can go overboard with this and if, if just hand out um, responsibility too soon. And then obviously then you get the consequences of that. But I think when we talk about that, I, I, I teach the sort of like four step process. And when you know that you've made that error, you just step back one step in the process and understand that we've, we've gone too far here. We've gone up a, a gear too quick. We need to go back and revisit the next step uh, or the previous step, I, I should say. So, um, so yeah, that, that's what I'd say on that, really. I think uh, that makes sense. Do you think then the success to growing a business is making yourself redundant so that your team are operating at you know high performance levels and then you can take the next step to take the business to the next stage of growth? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, as an individual, you should be looking to grow as well. So if you're, you should have the mentality that you're growing your team um, so that at some point they are, they'll take responsibility and there might be someone that wants to step up and take responsibility so that you can take on your next step because you know you've got to keep moving forward haven't you and if you stay too in one place for too soon I was very guilty of that I think held on to certain responsibilities for far too long um, one of the things that I think of particularly was the ordering um, of stock within my retail business that was my responsibility for far too long and I, I didn't pass it over soon enough. Um, but when I did, then that, that was really when it f uh, allowed me to, you know, focus on and step back a bit and be more um, hands off and more sort of visionary and thinking about how the business is going to develop and, and where it's going. Because you can, classic scenario of um, spending too much time in your business as opposed to on it. Uh, and getting the balance right. Is that one of the key mistakes? I mean, you work with lots of leaders, Mark. So is yeah. that one of the key thing, key mistakes that you see leaders making? What, what would be kind of the second and third mistakes that you see? Well, I think most business owners and entrepreneurs, which are the typical people I work with, they start a business because they have a technical expertise or they have a passion around something. So it's really difficult to take your hand off the, the steering wheel uh, because you know you have that expertise it's a comfort place where you feel comfortable and to suddenly say to someone actually you've got to step back and do something that you're not comfortable with um, with actually leading a team and understanding how you get the best from your team and you know challenging them on that 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 is not easy but it takes a while but then the penny drops eventually because if you don't do it what you're doing is what I call maintaining being the biggest cog in the machine uh, rather than being the oil that keeps the machine running. So if you want to be the biggest cog in the scenario I'm talking about, if you stop turning, everything around you stops turning. So what you need to think about is to think about how can I become the oil that keeps the machine working and not be that biggest cog. And that's, that's another sort of scenario or the way I sort of analogy that I, I sort of introduce that again, the penny drops, you suddenly realise actually, yeah, if I, if I carry on the way I'm going, I'm just creating all this around me, but it makes it 
puts all the pressure on me. I've got to keep moving. If I carry on moving, everything's fine. But what happens when I don't? When I what what when I'm not well or when I'm on holiday and all those sort of things. I think the biggest feedback you can get as a leader is when you're not in the business and when you come back, what's been going on and you know have you got to pick up the pieces or actually is it maybe things might just slow down a bit. I think you can expect that, but if things are really sort of ground to a halt, that's clear uh, that obviously you're far too important and you need to start working that, you know, becoming less important and making yourself a bit more redundant. Does say, do you think looking at that, Mark, then perhaps from like a slightly different angle based on that analogy you just gave, which I really quite like, and also handing out responsibility to your team, do you think leadership is almost a bit like focusing on personal development of others, sort of in such yeah. And responsibility and as a result of develop helping all those other people develop you also naturally develop quite significantly yourself definitely um being a leader developer is what i teach so you've, you've got to have the mentality that you are developing all your team to be the best they can be mm-hmm. so they can take responsibility they have the capabilities to take over from what you were good at so that you can move on to things so that you learn things so yeah absolutely Le- becoming that leader developer is where you should have them it's the mentality of you know developing your team so that they let's face it most people go into work these days they want to have a clear path they want to know that they're going to be developed they want to know that they're going to be trained and if they don't get it most of the time they will find it somewhere else so if you don't have that mentality ultimately you're not really going to keep people on board for a long period of time because most people want to develop um, Mm. and feel that they are making progress and not it's not always about um getting um sort of pay rises or anything like that they just want to feel that they are getting more proficient and there is somebody going back to the the challenge and support model is that you've got someone that is looking out for them they're there to support them but also there to challenge them so that they are becoming the best they can be so stretching them so uh, a little bit out of their comfort zone each time so their comfort zone becomes you know bigger and bigger and so then they develop from there we are both big believers in you have to step outside of your comfort zone to grow and i think you've just kind of highlighted that as a as a need for leadership to take responsibility for doing that what have been the big challenges that you have faced marcus as a leader what what, what have been some big challenges that you learned from them that pushed you outside of your comfort zone that's helped you to kind of be the leader that you are now and to mm. shape future leaders uh, it's a great question and i i, I reflected on this because i saw that this there might be something you asked me and i think um looking back again back to my retail business um i i might mention it's a family retail business my dad have started it i was starting to take more and more responsibility and my role within that business was very much the innovator that I wanted to bring new technology in. Um, we were we were growing quite fast, and I realised that if we didn't keep up with technology, then we would just um, just grind to a halt because it would just become too difficult. So I, I saw the the need to introduce technology in regards to uh, controlling our stock. So it was my idea that we should invest in a scanning system. And we're talking about um, the mid eighties here. So good 35 odd years ago. And, you know, this was something that was just emerging. It was something that was, you know, 
really is it going to be cost effective and you were talking about a lot of money in those days for software and the kit you know we had sort of four lanes in our, in our, in our so the investment was a big one big thing so i had i had this vision that, that we had to do it my dad had been in the retail game for a long long time and i had to convince him so i i had to have the vision i obviously at the time i didn't think of it in this respect but i obviously i had a vision in my head that we needed to do it and i set about convincing him because he was my you know my the person that I had to convince that that's there was no doubt about that because he was the one that was going to sanction it and pay for it so i think that was my biggest challenge and i won the day eventually and it paid off and i can always remember the day when my dad sort of i don't think he was even convinced when he said okay we'll do it um he was just trying to pacify me think oh well we better let him get on with it i can remember the day when he actually said a little bit through gritted teeth yeah you, you were right we definitely it's definitely had a massive difference to our business and allowed us to grow and be more efficient and all that sort of stuff and you know reduced our stock holding which is massive within retail if you can reduce your stock holding then you're turning it over quicker so more efficient and all that sort of stuff because that so that was looking back that was my biggest challenge was that nobody else was on my side even my my brothers they they didn't think that i think they probably thought that it was too, it was too too big a hurdle um, they might have thought, I think, well, it would be nice, but actually I'm not sure that he's ever going to be convinced. But I did stick it out and eventually yeah, got my way. So, yeah, it's interesting reflecting back and that, that was my biggest challenge. And it was being persistent, understanding that, you know, you've got the vision, you've got to be persistent and you've got to sell sell it. You know, whoever it is, you've got to sell your vision. Uh, and, 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 and if you believe in it enough, you will keep on and be persistent. And is that kind of fundamental to your approach to helping to generate and create better leaders? You know, having that vision, you talked about that already, but following that through with persistence and being resilient, I guess, against people that might not be um, on board with what your vision is. Yeah, well, I think I think resilience and vision are very much linked in that if you have got a vision and you are consistent and you are talking about it and communicating it regularly, then it's a lot easier to have conversations in that you're not having a conversation with an individual if they're sort of not, not performing. You're just saying that this is not in line with the vision. It's not between me and you. It's about me, you, and going in the right direction. So that's where the vision is more than just, um, you know, a, a, a fluffy bit of, um, you know, paper or whatever you decide to um, put it on. It's actually something that you can always relate to and keep you accountable and not only you, the whole team. And whenever there is something that goes wrong, you can say, right, we need to sit down and think about this because obviously we've gone off track. You know, are we sticking to what we said we were going to do? Is this in line with our vision and keep it, that way so you don't fall out one-to-one -one. you just say this is about the vision and we've gone off track here and we need to get back on track i think that's a nice way of describing it isn't it it's always for the best interests of the business and it's may feel personal at times but it's back into what we're trying to do here where we're mm -hmm. trying to go how we're going to make it happen yeah, yeah. what would you, and I, mark what would you um give us three sort of practical pieces of advice 
for aspiring leaders, people that may be managers at the moment, maybe not seeing themselves quite as leaders, what three pieces of advice would you give them? And then could I follow up with the second question, which was, when did you realize you were a leader? So we can start with maybe either start with when you realized that you were a leader, maybe you want to start with that, and then the three pieces of advice, whichever way you want to take it. I think I, I got the second question first. I didn't realize I, re I was a leader until it actually had happened and was probably over by the time I sold my business. I realized actually I was more leader than, than um, manager, to be honest. Um, and um, so that's an interesting thing, as I call my, my business is the reluctant leader. Um, I probably wasn't reluctant as far as leadership. It was more about reluctance as, as um, a manager. Um, but going back to um, the first question was, um, yeah, just, just recap what that first question was again. What, what three pieces of practical advice would you give right. to the managers that they could, to be leaders, yeah. that they could go and implement maybe with their teams this week? Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, so the first thing is to have a really clear understanding of yourself, self-awareness, emotional intelligence, whatever you want to call yourself, call it, I should say, call it, not call yourself, um, being aware of your impact on others. And with regards to how you do things, so behavioral style uh, um, analysis and all those sort of things are really important, understanding um, how you like to do things might not be how others like to do them um, which is okay uh, and actually you just got to accommodate one another so understanding yourself first um, understanding the importance of being explicit um, explicit is something that people again don't really think of as a, maybe a leadership skill but it's so important in that we are naturally I think quite vague um, and I think when we've got a team that have some capabilities uh, we don't like to say things that maybe we think people should know but actually you've got to be really clear about what you want and explicitness is one of those those skills that are not really taught that often but are really clear uh, really important if you want to get your message across so I can always remember going back to retail days was my, my dad wasn't one to ever want to write things down. He said it, it, we should always be um, spoken, which is all fine. But the trouble is you can never be in the same room with everyone at the same time. So I think there has to be a, ma a, a mix of communication with regards to that. And obviously we've got more technology that we can actually record things, you know, videos and things like that these days, which you, you want the same message to land so that everyone hears it the same. If you, if you, the more times you say things, you're always going to say the things differently. I, 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 I reflect on when I'm doing like, say, 20 minute talks at um, events. Um, there's always people say, "Oh, I heard you speak talk about the same subject, but it landed completely different this time." But and, that, and that's the thing to remember with when you're leading a team, you can never say things exactly the same if every time. But that's, that's just, you've got to accept that that's the case, but realizing that different people will pick things up at different times uh, and understanding that's just a communication thing that when none of us are perfect um, and some people want more detail, some want less detail. They just want to, you know, just the, you know, the overview uh, and all that sort of stuff. Understanding that you have to say things lots of different ways 
uh, and, and try and be as clear and explicit as you can with regards to that. Um, I think that's, that's sort of only two, but I think those are the most important, understanding yourself and having the skill of being really explicit and clear in what you expect your expectations are. Uh, that's an interesting one, being explicit. And mm. if you were giving some practical advice to somebody um, about making sure you are explicit, what would you give? Um, well, I, I like analogies and I, I came up with um, a talk I did around leadership, which I just talked about songs and also about um, artists. So with regards to explicitness, to, to try and get people to remember it was that I introduced this as the skill that the, the Spice Girls can actually teach us. So tell them what you want, what you really, really, really want. Because uh, most people don't, they only do, you know, just say it once and don't carry on saying it, but actually they, they don't say it really clearly. Uh, and also, if you're going to say something that's really important, make sure you catch people doing things right on the back of it. So noticing as well is important. So being explicit and noticing when that actually that thing actually happens. So people, again, that feedback thing. I'm going to follow that through with a Madonna quote that said, <laughs> what they want because they don't make it clear what they want I mean it's phrased better than that but it's the yeah. essence of what you're saying you've got to be very clear about what you want otherwise you won't get it exactly yeah I think that's a really good quote I like that that's, uh, that's a good way of remembering it I think I think being explicit as well is a good point because I think it's it's very easy isn't it to, to be vague and have kind of sort of um well yeah just just vague asks of people but I think being explicit and being clear yes yeah, it's, it's a I think it's probably something that's kind of overlooked, isn't it, as we said? Yeah, it's, it's really challenging to be explicit, you know, in many ways. And firstly, for you internally, you, you, for me, I like to summarise things and, and be as vague as possible because uh, I thought there's something about that so people can uh, make their own decisions. But actually, when you're at that early stages where you have a, a vision that you need to get out, out something new, then you need to... Bring that in and be more explicit so the, again with with touching on situational consistency here you can't carry on being explicit forever because that will become really annoying so mm. it's not about being explicit all the time but very much in the early days when you have something new a new vision a new project so that's very important in the early days until people get start getting it then they start getting it then you give them feedback and you catch them people doing things right that's an indication then you don't need to be quite so explicit you can step off and be more mentorish rather than coach like so again situation consistency and know when to change that gear is really important i guess there might be an aspect of um being explicit but doing it in the right way as well potentially might like is it is it i could imagine that by being explicit sometimes it can come across as perhaps being a bit brash or a bit demanding maybe at times yeah, well, it could be, uh, you know, but, you, you know, you've got to know where you are in the process. Yeah. So when you are early doors, early, early stages of the process, you have to be very directive, very explicit, very clear. So people get it. Um, and if they're not getting, you'll know because then they won't be doing what you want them to do. So that's a clear indication you're not being explicit enough. Um, so rather than, you know, if something's not working for you, then rather than think, well, I need to reprimand somebody. The first thing you should do is think to yourself, am I being clear enough? Have I said it clear enough? Are other people doing what I say? 
So is it that individual just not listening or is it generally people just not getting at the moment? Do I need to up my game and, you know, be more explicit? So feedback again is useful in that you can see what's happening. And if it's not happening the way you want it to happen, that's a clear indication that maybe you're not being clear and, and explicit enough. Goes back to that self-awareness, which was where we sort of started some, mm -hmm. of, this, some of this podcast. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think if you carried on being explicit all the time, as you say, there's a time and place for it, it would stifle creativity. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you want, it's about, you know, when it comes to a point within your team, they will take responsibility on. And then that's when you step back. That's, that's when you allow them to get involved and set their own agendas, have, have some input. Um, but they've got to you've got to start the ball rolling that push push things forward and then when you start seeing the signs that they're actually taking responsibility for this themselves and then that's when you need to step back and change your approach um so that you become more mentor more um delegating those sort of things because you know once they get it they just want you to recognize and and actually, it's really important that they feel that you have confidence in them. You know, that's that's the thing. Um, if you show that you have confidence in people, then they are more likely to step up uh, and, you know, take responsibility. So responsibility and, and feeling that you have trust and you, you know, you, you know, they can do it. That's 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 the thing. Uh, so it's. It, it, the four-step process is understanding once you understand that four-step process of you know starting with the vision mobilizing the vision and then starting to get to a point where you're passing the responsibility over not not uh, to obviously do this at the right time at the right time when you see the right signs that's when you start to change in that you have to adapt to that situation changing I think the insights that you've shared with us today on leadership, Mark, have been first class. So thank you. Thank you very much indeed for that. And it would be nice just to perhaps for you to share where people can get in touch with you, how they could find out more, any exciting projects that you've got on the go at the moment that you would like to share with listeners. So we hand over to you at this point to, um, to talk about sure. that. Um, so um, we mentioned my business, the Reluctant Leader Academy. You'll find the reluctantleader.academy website where there is um, some content, there's courses. You'll see there's a lot of mention around motivation, keeping energized, which is something that I do a lot of work with motivation. So, uh, and the reason being that we have to be our best. And if we understand what motivates us, we're gonna have the energy to, to lead well. That's the important thing. Um, with regards to projects, then I've, be launching a membership site um, early in 2021, which is going to be the um, Get Savvy Club, which is, you know, it's going to be a lot around um, leadership, but there are the other things, I think, with regards to my market being business owners and entrepreneurs, understanding other things like processes and all those things, are, which are equally important. And there are three elements, I think, and being clear about what you're doing, being clear about how you do things and being clear about why uh, and making sure that you're covering all bases. So it'd be very much about that. Um, so you'll find details on that um, once it launches on, on my website. So yeah, that's really exciting for me because it's a sort of another step into memberships, which I think, um, 
you know, I think when you're in a leadership position, you it's all very well understand or getting to know the skills, but the thing, the biggest challenge is actually putting them into practice. And we know that the most instances, things don't work first time. So you need a support network. So that's where it's gonna be important to, to understand that, you know, you're not gonna get it right first time and understanding the four step process again, when, you know, when we're, when we're learning something new, first, first of all, we are unconsciously incompetent. So we don't know what we don't know. It's only when we start knowing what we don't know that, that it starts getting scary. And so understanding that that process, understanding that, you know, we, we need to use it and understand that we're not going to get it right first time, having a clear uh, mindset, a growth mindset that we, we, we know we're going to get things wrong, not being self up and understanding that we're growing and it's a process of growing and understanding that we'll get there if we're, if we're consistent and persistent. That's so true. And I think the, the, the point you make about the motivation, particularly in current situations, is an important one. Like how do people remain motivated when it can feel very challenging? Mm -hmm. And the other point on that, the analogy that I use is we can all read about how to ride a bike, sit on it, pedal, steer. But until you've actually done it, you're going to fall off a few times. And that's the way that you learn. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been fantastic to have you as our podcast guest, Mark. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, thanks very much for being on, Mark. I really like, um, I think a good way to summarise a lot of what we talked about is your sort of concept of like push and pull style of leadership. I think that, I think that mm -hmm. for me anyway, underpins quite a lot of what you said. Um, and I think as Mum said as well, the, the you shared a lot of like really useful practical advice. Um, so a big thank you for me and I really enjoyed talk, talk, discussing it with you. Yeah, th thanks for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, time's flown by. It is. I don't know how long we've been. Oh, quite a long time. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Cheers, guys. Thank you.